It was a season for the ages for the Pac-12, and granted, in most Pac-12 fashion ever, it will be the last year of the Pac-12, but let's talk about everything that went down in Pac-12 football coming up here on Locked On Wildcats. You are Locked On Wildcats, your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Wildcats your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Mike Luke. All right, we got a lot to get to this show, but it's going to be all Pac-12 football. We're going to go basically team by team, talk about what we learned, what uh, surprised us, all of that. But first, as we talked about, it is the uh, it's the most Pac-12 thing ever to have the best Pac-12 season ever when the season is. Uh, when it's going to be your last season. And again, this was an awesome season. Washington is in the uh, the BCS playoffs. Um, you've also got, obviously, Oregon, a top 10 team. Arizona knocking on that top 10 door as well. <clears throat> a lot of different teams. And some of your usual suspects weren't there, like USC. So let's just kind of break it down top to bottom. Uh, Washington. Uh, first and foremost, this is clearly the best team in the conference. I think a lot of te- people thought that maybe it was Oregon. Those people were wrong. Not only were they wrong, um, it, it was Washington. Again, listen, Washington won each game by three points. I totally get that. But I think what really kind of put them over the top for me in that uh, Pac-12 championship game was the way they did it. Um, I've always been a sucker for a team that gets out early gets a huge lead, then essentially gives it up, then comes back and takes control. And that's exactly what Washington did. Um, now, listen, Oregon is certainly capable of uh, Oregon is certainly capable of beating uh, beating Arizona or excuse me, beating pretty much anybody. But I will say that Washington just feels a little bit better. Not only do they feel a little bit better, um, they just when you have a coach in Kalen DeBoer that I think is basically pressed every right button since he's been there and a quarterback in Michael Penix, who he 1000% trusts, they deserve to win that game. It would have been very easy for Washington to essentially just say, eh, you know, um, we're going to, uh, we're going to play this one close to the vest towards the end. Um, we're going to uh, make Oregon use all their timeouts. Then we're going to trust our defense um, as opposed to trusting our uh, our Heisman Trophy uh, finalist quarterback, Kalen DeBoer said, nope, none of that. We are going to go in for the kill shot. They did just that, and that's how Washington salted to get in the way of the game. I love coaches that do that. I think way too many coaches don't do that, and it drives me crazy. Now, listen, if you've got like Jeff Sims or somebody at quarterback, I understand not doing that. But if you've got Michael Penix, go for the kill shot. You did exactly that. Um just a big-time move, I think, by uh, uh, Washington. And I'm going to be interested to see how they play. I think they're going to beat Texas. I think they're a, uh, I think they're a better team than Texas. Um, uh, with Sark, Sark's obviously done some really good things, but I still don't fully trust him. Um, I'll, I'm going to ride with Washington. I thought, that, I thought it would be, actually, one of the few things I'm ever right on. I thought it would be about a four-point spread, four-and-a-half-point spread for Texas. I like Washington straight up. I think Washington's going to win that game. Um, and uh, I guess we will find out how it plays out from there. Now, Oregon, uh, Dan Lanning is the goods. Um, 
Watch Dan Lanning for five minutes, and you can clearly tell that he's got all the recruiting chops. He's going to be able to recruit at a top five level. He's also not Mario Cristobal. Mario Cristobal was a great recruiter and an awful coach. Um, and I don't know that I would get a lot of Oregon fans who would disagree with me. Maybe I'd get a few. I don't know. But um, And I don't think that Mario Cristobal is going to do well at Miami either. Um, he was just not a good big game coach. He was the epitome of the dude that is fourth and one on the opponent's 40. And he's going to boot the ball into the end zone for a 15-yard uh, yard gain for the other team. Not my type of coach. Lanning is different. Lanning is aggressive. And Lanning has obviously done uh, yeoman's work with Bo Nix. Um, it's funny. I'm obvi Obviously, Bo Nix is really, really good now. But I'm still one of those people that it's still hard for me to believe that Bo Nix is this good because I've watched a lot of really bad Bo Nix at Ole Miss. But he's obviously very, very good. Um and Lanning pressed all the right buttons with, uh, you know, obviously the uh, the quarterback or the uh, the wide receiver room is uh, and the uh, offense was fantastic uh, across the board. It's a healthy uh, you got a healthy program. You've got with obviously with uh, with Bo, or with Bo Nix QB. Then you've also got Bucky Irving. You got the two headed monster in the backfield. Troy Franklin is an absolute stud. And then on defense, it's a much improved unit. Um Next year, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with Oregon. But overall, uh, just a very, very, very good job by Dan Lanning. I expect him to continue to be really good. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he ends up at uh, some SEC school in the future. Or maybe he just hangs it out at Oregon. I don't know. Either one, he's got good options. And again, he's a really, really good coach. He feels to me like Mario Cristobal with coaching acumen. Um, that's kind of, that's the best way I can put it. Then Arizona. Talk about a new uh, team to the equation, Arizona. Um, I would have loved to have seen Arizona in that Pac-12 championship game because I think they would have acquitted themselves very well. I don't think that it would have been something like uh, with Rich Rod's teams where you got in there and they got annihilated because Rich Rod was kind of relying on smoke and mirrors. With Arizona, there's no smoke and mirrors involved whatsoever. Arizona just matches up across the board very, very well. Um, not only do they match up across the board very, very well, it's also a squad that I think you could favorably argue um, doesn't really have a discernible weakness. You've got a quarterback in Noah Fafita that at this stage of the game is taking a backseat to nobody. Um, they're, uh, the skill position players match up with anybody in any con or in any conference. Listen, uh, Roma Dunze and uh, um, Jalen McMillan, probably a little bit better than T-Mac and Jacob Cowling, but it's pretty damn close. And then in the, out of the backfield, when you got Michael Wiley, Jonah Coleman, uh, you know, just a DJ Williams, plethora of backs. And I think you're also going to find that era, that uh, this squad also is somewhere in the, uh, I think it's fair to say that the, somewhere in that mix with uh, um, Washington and Oregon. And that I think that these would be very close games. Listen, I get that Oregon, Oregon deserved to be in there. I get it. I'm just saying that I think Arizona could have had a real chance in that PAC 12 championship game. Some, uh, and uh, a lot of people wonder, well, what would have happened if you played Noah Fafita earlier? That's obviously a very, very fair question. Um, that I don't know that anybody really has the answer to, but I do believe that uh, Arizona would have been much better. Thought Noah Fafita should have started probably from day one, but that's an argument for another day. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Arizona became a real problem, and it became a real problem at all three levels. The defensive line was incredibly good. 
the linebacking unit led by Jacob Manu was fantastic. Um, the problem with the linebackers is it was essentially Jacob Manu, is Justin Flo and Daniel Haimuli aren't very good. Um, and then the DBs, DBs are set uh, with Dalton Johnson, with Gunnar Maldonado, my bad Gunner, uh, Ephesians Prysock, Dakario Davis. Across the board, that's a good unit. That's a really good unit, and I think that uh, something that we Arizona fans certainly need to uh, embrace, as they have certainly embraced. Um, then the uh, so again across the board, Arizona is a really really good team, and again I think they would match up very well with everybody. Clearly, one of the three best teams in the conference uh, would have been hard for a lot of people to believe that before the season, but. You know what? That's just the way it is. Just reporting the facts. Now, Jace Medical. All right. Now, in this day and age where you don't really know what's going on from one day to the next, Jace Medical has you. Use promo code Locked On for $20 off. They can get you these uh, the antibiotics, the prescriptions you need for that rainy day. Again, with the uh, times the way they are, it's always good to have a nice little backup in play. Jace Medical is there for you. It's for the people by the people. And... Um, again, it'll, it's nice to just know that you, uh, if something happens, you've got something in your medicine cabinet that you don't have to go wait nine hours for to get. Jace Medical is here for you. Check it out. Again, use promo code Locked On for $20 off. Get yours today at JaceMedical.com. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats and making this your first listen of the day. I am your host, Mike Luke. Now, let's talk about uh, the middle part of the conference where it gets uh, fascinating. Uh, Utah is certainly in there, as is Oregon State. Now, Utah has been the standard bearer in the conference. We all know that for about the last three, four, uh, last three, four, five years. They took a step back this year, but that was only because of injury. Cam Rising being hurt was obviously a huge blow to them. And not only was it a huge blow to them, that was a uh, that was a dude who um, I think it's fair to say is uh, kind of what made that offense tick. Now, again, he's probably he's been beat up quite a bit. And, you know, there are some things that are very odd about or that, you know, where he looks limited. But he's clearly exactly what Kyle Whittingham wanted. Not having him all season certainly was a, a huge blow to Utah. But never uh, uh, if you're a Utah fan. Um, do not worry because he is obviously coming back next year. I think Utah in the Big 12 is going to uh, do very well, and getting Cam Rising for that inaugural campaign will help because everything else will be set, the defense, uh, everything. Um, I would expect Utah to be a top 15 team next year, something like that. Um, again, don't really think I'm breaking any news there. Then after that, it's also – You've got uh, Oregon State. Now, I feel actually bad for Oregon State because a lot of their fans are kind of dorks. But um, the and by dorks, I mean per- say a lot of mean personal things. But they are super, super engaged. It's a super engaged fan base. If it was up to me, I would have dumped ASU and brought Oregon State along. I've said this many times. Um, and not only would I have brought them along, uh, I would have felt good about it. Again, I get travel logistics. All that doesn't work. But um, I do feel for them losing Jonathan Smith in the manner in which he lost him was obviously a gut punch. And you've lost, you're losing DJ Uyagalele. You're also losing your uh, four, high four-star quarterback who's following uh, uh, Jonathan Smith to Michigan State. It's obviously not a great situation. They also don't have a schedule for next year. I feel for uh, the Oregon State uh, folks, the diehards, because there are many, many diehards. Um, but 
I do think at this stage in the game, it just kind of is what it is. Oregon State and Washington State didn't provide a product or a base that uh, other major conferences wanted. And, you know, just kind of is the way it is. I would imagine they're going to cobble, try to cobble something together with the Mountain West, and we'll find out where it goes from there. But again, obviously, uh, it's tough times uh, for people in uh, tough times for people in Corvallis. Then why don't we just keep, why don't we just keep talking about Washington State? I believe Oregon State is actually going to be better than Washington State because I think that uh, Washington State just provides next to nothing. Um, and not only does it provide next to nothing, um, it was obviously a really bad year in their last campaign here in the Pac-12. And you don't have a lot going forward as well. It's always going to be a difficult place to recruit to. Um, and the fan base is not nearly as energetic as Washington State or as Oregon State's fan base is. Um, so you got that going for you got that going against you as well. So those are two things that you certainly need to keep an eye on. I am curious where uh, how how this does unfold, what the end play is for Washington State, because I don't really know the answer to that one. Um, I think that uh, you know you're I think you're hoping that you can maybe be Oregon State light. That uh, again you cobble something together in the Mountain West, but I don't know how that one's going to work. Um, those two schools are in tough spots, obviously. Um, then let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Cal and Stanford. Off to the ACC. Um, both these schools are interesting. Cal, first of all, is barely worth time talking about because Cal, at this stage, we know Cal does not care about athletics. Not only does Cal not care about athletics, um, I'm you kind of wonder at some point why they even have uh, why they even have an athletics program because. Um, you clearly don't care. You clearly don't care about it. Football, basketball, you don't invest anything. Kind of wonder. I've always wondered about that. Stanford is uh, interesting because they clearly don't care about basketball anymore as Jared Haas is still there. And I don't know that Jared Haas has ever had a winning record at Stanford. After about seven or eight years, you would think that, all right, might be time to move on as this one isn't really cutting it. But when you don't really care about athletics to a certain degree, that's what you get. Jared Haas is one of those hires. Jared Haas is one of those dudes. Um, then uh, on football, I don't actually hate Troy Taylor as a coach. Um, I think they did the best they could with a, a difficult situation. But I also think that it's fair to say that um, um, I also think that it's uh, fair to say that uh, uh, we're also kind of at the stage where um, people are, uh, you know, uh, Stanford, you go in there. Um, you should be good. You should be at least be a decent program. You should be able to get big guys in the trenches. You should be able to get a decent QB. And not only should you be able to get a, de uh, um, a decent QB, you should be able to win consistent. You should be able to win at a fairly consistent level. Again, the traveling is going to be very interesting for Stanford. But Stanford's not a lost cause like I think Washington State or Cal, Cal is. Um, it'll be interesting to watch what Troy Taylor does because, again, you still have that academic aspect to it, and you still have a long lineage of offensive linemen getting into the NFL. Again, uh, Jim Harbaugh and David Shaw did some really good things at Stanford, so you certainly know that one. Um, but that's kind of where it is with uh, with those teams uh, up north. Now, let's get into the south. Uh, UCLA. Uh, UCLA is kind of in no man's land because Chip Kelly kind of forgot how to coach offense. Um, not exactly sure what happened, but Chip Kelly forgot how to coach offense. Those teams at Oregon um, where, you know, you were throwing the ball all over the field, having fun. There's none of that anymore. You watch, you watch UCLA and it's boring. Their, uh, their offense stinks. 
It is funny that their uh, their core our defense is actually kind of what carried them. Obviously, Dante Moore left, and his family trashed Chip Kelly. Um, I do wonder at this stage where um, I do wonder at this stage where uh, they are uh, where they're going forward with uh, because um, you're they didn't fight. They're bringing back Chip Kelly, but it feels like you're going to always be in seven win no man's land going into the Big Ten West. Um, I don't know how that's going to work out. Bringing back Chip Kelly surprised me a little bit, but that also probably shows me that you didn't get a lot of uh, you didn't get a lot of uh, bites on the coaching carousel, or maybe you didn't even look at the coaching carousel. I don't know, but uh, Chip Kelly is just kind of the epitome of meh. Just kind of is what it is. Now Lincoln Riley is going to be interesting because Lincoln Riley is. I think at this stage in the game, we know that Lincoln Riley he's a good coach. There's no doubt about it. But the problem with Lincoln Riley is his teams aren't physical. He struggles against good teams. That's that's just been the way it is. Not only has that been the way it is, I think it's going to continue to be the way it is. Um, and you lose Caleb Williams this year, obviously uh, off to the NFL. Um, theoretically, uh, you're going to have a new quarterback next year. They're in an interesting spot because I think a lot of the luster has kind of worn off on Lincoln Riley and uh, USC. Let's be honest here; should just be better than they are. I mean, seven and five ain't good. You got blitzed by UCLA to end the season. Um, just like I said, I, you got a lot of questions. If I think if you're a USC fan, just about what's going on there in the end. Um, and I think that's something that we all need to keep an eye on. Now, if uh, we're going to talk about some other schools where I might give you a little bit of betting advice, but first, FanDuel, my friends, check it out, FanDuel. All right, now, there, this is the time of the year where college football is in play, and not only is college football in play, a, the best part about it is that you can put money on it, along with, uh, you know, bet on some NFL games, get in there, bet on some basketball. What say you? Uh, not only that, what say you, I do think that uh, we're at the stage now where um, it's the best sporting time of the year. Get in there on FanDuel because, again, FanDuel.com slash locked on. Check it out. You will thank me later because, again, it is a uh, it is a very, very good. Uh, it's a very good entity. It's a very good avenue. And, again, good stuff all the way around. Check it out. FanDuel.com backslash locked on. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats and making this your first listen of the day. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, now let's talk about the rest of the conference here. Um, the uh, we've got a couple more schools to uh, talk about. Uh, Colorado's interesting. Um, Colorado, you went four and eight this year. Obviously, a lot, some a lot of that shine of a prime uh, dissipated. But I think the one thing that you got to wonder about with or with them is is this program going to implode? And I think that's a fair question because Dion did not handle losing at midseason and at the end well at all. He fired the OC who left a head coaching job and was promptly hired again as a head coach. Um, and he essentially threw his entire team under the bus saying that his son should win the Heisman because of how bad the offensive line is. That just shows me a lack of understanding. That just shows me a lack of, you know, I guess modesty because it feels to me that this is going to still be about Dion. Um, not only is it going to be about Dion, it is going to be, um, about, uh, I think it's fair to say it's uh, going to be about, um, what he does in the portal, because again, they're probably gonna bring in like 10,000 people this off season. Uh, and 
next year, I think, is probably going to be his last year in Colorado. Now, is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? Obviously, you return Travis Hunter. You return Shadur. Um, but, again, going to lose some players, I'm sure. What players are you going to be able to bring in? I think that's the question that a lot of people have, and I don't really have an answer to because, honestly, um, Dion, I think, rubbed people the wrong way a lot when they started losing games. So we'll find that one out. And then ASU, I like Kenny Dillingham. Um, I'll, I'll freely admit that. I think he's a good dude. I think he's a good coach or I think he's a solid coach. He's just in a tough spot because you have a coach or you have a, a situation in, uh, at ASU where, um, you have a president that does not, that does not like sports. I think it's more than fair to say that you also don't have an athletic director. You don't have the person that hired you. Now, what I do like about Kenny Dillingham is that I think that he is, uh, I think he's totally invested in this, and I think you've got to be totally invested in ASU to be able to win games. And I think that's something that he does have going for it. But I still think that there's a lot of questions about where where this program where this program is going forward, and not only where this program is going forward, what their ultimate upside is. Because again, uh, you don't have much money, and uh, you're going into the Big Twelve. With some rabid fan bases, um, your athletic department is not in a good spot right now. So I guess we'll find out where we'll find out where everything is there. So on that note, though, as always, very much appreciate all of you keeping it locked on. Wildcats wanted to. This was a season for the ages in the Pac-12, and I wanted to be able to properly talk about that again. It's vintage that the season for the ages is in the year where. Uh, the Pac-12 will uh, cease to exist, but that is another uh, story for another day. All right, tomorrow we're going to go around the national scene, talk about things. We're going to talk about some awards and some awards that we believe that Arizona coaches should have gotten. But on that note, as always, thanks for making Locked On Wildcats your first listen of the day. We will be back with you tomorrow.